Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, welcome to Wood Talk. It's show number 475 for June 24th, 2020. On today's show, we are talking about dovetails. 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 Ooh, ooh, ooh. But before we get to that, I want to let you know. It's <laughs> 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 a slow version of the DuckTales song. I'm just trying to savor it. Uh, <laughs> Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence. Uh, look, somebody did a copy and paste here. Do you, do you guys see that? I do. It's, it's totally messed up. Just I'm read a, it. I'm, I, I, okay, ready? Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence. Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for 65 years. Head over to rockler.com and check out their summer savings sale, which includes all of the tools and accessories you need for your shop. Sale runs from May 29th to July 2nd, so don't miss it. And for those of you in the Pittsburgh area, we've mentioned this before, we'll mention it again. Rockler's new location is at the Robinson Town Center. It's now open. Get over there. Yins will enjoy it. <laughs> it's like the it's like the Ron Burgundy test. Will he yeah. read whatever we put in front of him? <laughs> I, I just stop. I and broke character. I don't know what else I was, to do. I was waiting for it. I mean, he's not he's not quite the professional that he thinks he is. <coughs> no. <laughs> and if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to Patreon.com/slash/WoodTalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This week, we'd like to thank Rob Soma. Eric, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> you're welcome, Eric. Uh, Scott Reachinger and Brandon Scarborough. All right, there you go. I think Eric Matt is like the cousin of Debbie Downer, <laughs> right? He's not, he's not quite as depressing as Debbie Downer, but he's like, you know, meh, whatever. Meh, meh, meh. It's always meh. good to make fun of the people who support you financially. Absolutely. They know what they're getting into. I mean, they, <laughs> I it's, a, it's a service we offer. Yeah. That's what say, we I think do. this is the Patreon, like, this is the, um, the reward, right? You know? Yeah, I think Sign so. Sign up at the $5 level and Matt will butcher your name live on the air. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> if we excel at one thing, it's being idiots. So we've got that going for us. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we do have a big topic, uh, which is dovetails. We're going to get to that in a little bit. First, I want to tell you a little story, a little story about some wood that came into uh, into my possession today. Finally, this friendship I've had with Matt for I don't know how many years now has finally paid off because <laughs> Matt... Too long to count. <laughs> Matt sent me some wood. And it's not just any wood. This is incredibly thick cuts that are intended to be like pre-made, practically pre-made. They still need to be surfaced and cleaned up, but just big chunks for workbenches. So imagine instead of doing this lamination BS that we always have to do with like eight quarter boards. And I've done it. It's BS to like the nth degree. It is. How about the people who do it with either pallet wood or just four four quarter stock? No, that's another level (laughs) of insanity. I mean, there's probably, there's probably more glue in it than actual wood. It's, it's a, what is it? Megan Fitzpatrick's gluebo. So yeah, so these things came in, Matt sent me some samples. It's a whole thing. Matt, I don't know how much you want to say about this because I know it's it's a long-term process and it's not like you have a ton of inventory like this, but if you want to talk about it a little bit so people know what I'm, I'm, what I'm referencing here. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I'm kind of pioneering, so to speak, this idea of a no-lamination workbench kit 
for the split top rubo so you don't have to go through and laminate all these boards together and you get these nice monolithic slabs for your bench top mm-hmm. uh sort of an, it's been a kind of an interesting process because i want them to be perfectly quarter sawn so they're like super stable you don't have to worry about your bench ever really moving and need to be reflattened you know in theory mm-hmm. um so the logs needed to make a half a bench top or like you know one split top piece or whatever you want to call it yeah to get a quarter sawn piece you need at minimum 36 inch diameter log and for a workbench you know you probably don't want a kind of crazy crotch figure or knots or limbs and things so you need a perfectly straight grained 36 inch diameter log to actually saw that out of it so that's a pretty darn big log yeah so acquiring those is kind of interesting and then sawing them is also kind of interesting because they're you know big and heavy and whatnot and then the the kind of magical sauce on this thing is that those slabs were actually run through my friend's vacuum Mm -hmm. kiln and they're dried all the way through the core so they're six inches thick and they're down to nine or ten percent in the core we cut cut one open after 12 days so it's yeah it's dried so you have what you would I don't, you probably couldn't even air dry that in enough time to get down to that level. You're probably sure. looking at like a decade of air drying to get there. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. If it ever and gets pre- there, yeah. <laughs> if it ever gets there. So it's kind of a, a cool little concept. It's something that I'm uh, going to proceed with as far as uh, selling goes. And it's going to be like on a, I guess, a reservation basis. So I'm going to do like a few batches a year and you would uh, put a deposit down for a bench, either there's the tops or the full kit, which would include stock for the bases or the base. And you don't have to worry about laminating anything. And your, your bench is made out of these big old, big old pieces of wood. That is an amazing uh, time saver. <laughs> Just the thought of that sounds so nice. So uh, this is, this is really cool stuff. Um, so the funny thing was this thing arrived today. And of course, <laughs> It's on a homemade pallet, you know, that Matt made. And I it's made like, that bad boy, you know? It, yeah, it's eight eight feet long. It's probably about, I don't know what, 24 it, inches. It's, it's 30 by eight feet. Pallet. Okay, there you go. So about that. Uh, stacked pretty high because it's got some stock for me, but also Andy, just to kind of uh, consolidate things. Andy uh, Klein is getting some material too, so he's going to stop over tomorrow to pick it up. Anyway, but this guy, this guy that was <laughs> dropping it off, hates Matt. I, I have to tell you, trying to maneuver this thing inside the truck to get it onto the lift gate, uh, he he asked for my help. I did the best I could, but oh my god, this thing was ridiculous to maneuver around in a truck. So you guys probably would have been better off just taking it apart off the truck. And I just offered the pieces off. Yeah, I offered. I said, "There's not that much material here. If you want to just break it down and get this done," and he's like, "Nope, we'll do it this way." I was like, "Well, your nope. truck. <laughs> You're the boss. Got, I got to use this pallet jack." Yeah. So uh, the funny thing, though, he goes, I got to ask you if you don't mind. It's like, what what is this? Because it was wrapped in like black. Uh, what is it? Like a black tarp plastic it's material. Just plastic sheeting. Yeah. So you can't see what's in it. And I'm like, it's just it's wood. It's lumber. <laughs> you should have seen the, lots yeah. and lots of fertilizer. <laughs> right. <laughs> the look of disappointment on this guy's face like this should have been something really, really cool. But, it's you know, just, I got it's just the wood. exact same like look on the face from the guy taking it off my trailer at the dock. <laughs> he was expecting something far more glamorous than yeah. just some wood. It's a time I mean, machine is what it is. I mean, it says it on the bill. It says literally like lumber or beams or tabletops. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it says, but. Like it says that the guy's looking at it, it's like, so what is this? Like it's 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 wood. Like, yeah. oh well, that's not that exciting. Yeah, that's super you know, boring. The stuff the, you know the stuff the palace made of? It's just more of that. Yeah. <laughs> just more of that. 
Uh, well, the, the interesting thing, if this is going to become a new kind of business line for you, is how many freight guys you go through. <laughs> I can remember um, I used to run just a, an offshoot of the the business at McIlvain Lumber. We had an an, an e commerce version, just selling offcuts and things like that, called Hardwood to Go. And I ran it for five years or so. And it, it was put it this way. It was doomed to never go very far because we're a wholesale <laughs> yard and it's just, we're not set up to do with this, but we would package up. We, I would package up the lumber and ship it out via UPS. We shipped everything to meet like the UPS guidelines. That would mean there, there could be 20, 30, like, brown paper wrapped packages, <laughs> you know, seven feet and under, sometimes they're eight foot, but no more than eight foot. And they all had to meet like the UPS girth measurement and everything, but still they would be like 35 to 40 pounds a piece. Yeah. And the UPS guy would roll up at four 30, the normal pickup time. And there'd be like 30 of them sitting right there. Now granted it was like <laughs> maybe a foot from where they were sitting to put them in the truck, but it was a vertical foot, like up into the truck. Oh, I geez. think I went through eight UPS drivers in the time oh. that I ran that business. <laughs> and I had to around. like break them in. They're like, cause it would be the same question. Like they knew it was wood obviously cause they were coming to a lumber yard where they're like, why are you shipping all this wood? <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy would come back the next day and he's like, oh, I was just hoping that was a fluke that you had that many packages that day. And I was like, no, no. we averaged like 10 to 15 this, a day. This is booming. <laughs> is it one of those yeah. things where you, you go like they they should be excited about this because this is job security for them and yeah they're, right, they're looking right? at you like f you okay well like, yeah they go back to the <laughs> depot at the end of the day and they compare notes about what you have to pick up and yeah yeah this guy the, lost so. the thing with the bench <laughs> yeah. kits is like mark's pallet was i think 700 pounds mm -hmm. something yes. like that so yeah the ups guy ain't picking that up like that's you bring that to the dock and they take it out with a forklift there was a, there was a couple times in the truck where the guy had to like pick up one side to get the, <laughs> the pallet jack under it. And I he, like, I'm the little guy pushing the pallet jack and he bends down to like deadlift this thing. And what? he actually, he got it up a couple inches on one side. I was like, okay, that's why you do this for a living. He was, he was a very strong man. Oh man. I loaded those things and I ain't lifting. That's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's yeah. super that's exciting. Awesome. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely keep you guys posted. It sounds like it's going to be limited availability for quite some time. Uh, there's obviously. only so many big logs and there's so many, only so much time of mine to cut them into these bench tops. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, if you come and look at my workbench, it's laminated together with eight quarter and you could see where I got tired of doing that because about <laughs> a third of the way through the wood turns to 12 quarter and the last two laminations are 16 quarter. It was just like... <laughs> I went out and bought thicker lumber. I was like, I'm no so more. tired of gluing this. Screw stuff this. <laughs> no more of this. Totally. No, I think every, everybody goes through that process. And there is a point where you go, maybe at the beginning, you would not fathom paying extra for that convenience. But by the time you're about halfway through it, you're like, yeah, I, I would pay a lot of money to fix this problem right now. Like that's, I think at the end of the laminations where I stopped actually like recording my time doing the bench and I had like 25 or 26 hours into it just to have the glued up slabs just to be at that point oh, i'm like just all you're doing is like I'll, oh, i i guess i ripped a bunch of slabs on the narrower strips <gasps> no how dare you and then you know you joint them you plane them all and then you somehow yeah. glue them all together and then you gotta mill up that whole slab as one giant unit just the volume of glue that i went through gluing up this mm -hmm. page you go through Gallons. a gallon of glue with your with your uh paint roller and yeah <laughs> fun times. i mean it could be a, you could think it's a rite of passage or it's just a pain in the butt. It doesn't know, have to be. 
Take your pick. It <laughs> doesn't have to be a rite of passage. Uh, well, that's good stuff. I can't wait to, uh, to see where it goes. Uh, got a little bit of news. Remember how a couple of weeks ago we had news talking about IWF being open? Well, I think, here's my theory. I think that they listened to this show. They heard our, our concern <laughs> and hesitation about going, and they decided, you know what? Look, if the Wood Talk guys don't think we should do this, we probably should cancel the show, and they have canceled the show. So there's that. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. That's what I choose to believe. But that's that, interesting. Okay. I don't know whether it's a pressure thing. You know, like right now, Watching companies decide to to make moves and to open or to not open, um, but then quickly pivot, you know, because they they make a decision. I think it was AMC Theaters made a decision where they were going to open up and they didn't have any rules regarding, you know, mask wearing. And then like a day later, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. we're going to require people to wear masks. You know, like there was enough blowback from that uh, that it's changed. So I'm curious if they just got a lot of feedback or they just looked at you know, attendance at this point and how many, how they, many have to vendors. Be, they have to be cosplay masks though. You're yeah. Go to the theater. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> can't, can't you see some silly medical mask? You know, it's gotta be, you know, Bane, something like that. Sure. <laughs> Every, everybody's Bane. <laughs> yeah. We could just wear our respirators. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll look good. So anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. So if you were planning on going to the big show, it is not happening this year. Try again guess, in two years. I guess I don't have to decide now. No, you do not. <laughs> there you go. They I made got out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> they made your decision for you. Uh, okay, I got a quick voicemail here. It has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about, but it is something uh, that I get questions about a lot, so I just wanted to play this real quick from Chris. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Chris from Delaware. Mark, you have a brown mat with your Wood Whisperer logo on it that you'll put on top of your workbench from time to time. I'm just curious what that mat is made out of and under what circumstances you typically use it. Thanks. Okay, so these mats, and speaking of mats, Matt. I got this question a lot too. Yeah, you have one, right? Every time I show it. Yeah, Yeah, so it's a big bench size. It's neoprene, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's basically the stuff you would find a mouse pad made out of. Yep. So you have a you know smooth side and then you get the rubber on the other side. It's fairly thin. You just kind of can fold it up when it's not in use. Um, it was made by Benchmat, and that was a company that existed for a short period of time. They no longer make their products, um, but I do have a recommendation for you to try. I don't know if if this person will do something that large, but as it turns out, <laughs> I have a recommendation, but it might be a crap one. It you never know. It's a, look here. This is <laughs> just, a lead. I, I love how you speak. I this have a recommendation, but you know, I didn't really like you know check. Or like anything. That's for them to check. They may not work out at all. I'm giving you I'm giving you a lead here. Here's your lead. <laughs> the person that made these things for the guy who did Benchmat is a website called gamermats.com. So if you go there, what they usually make is for like board gaming and things like that. And they'll make those mats for that purpose. Apparently, this person has the ability to make them in a custom size for a workbench and possibly even put a print on there for you, like mine and, and Matt's actually have logos on them. So go there, gamermats.com. That might be a place where you can get that done. Now that said, he asked when, when we actually use them, I can say for me, primarily I use them if I'm doing kind of a demonstration at the workbench and filming it, it looks nice for video. So I put it on for that reason. My favorite thing though is sanding when I'm at the point where all of the, you know, routing has been done. Um, you know, all the, the major woodworking parts of a project have been done. I lay that thing down and I have a nice soft cushiony 
workbench, you know, all dimensions completely covered. And I could sand a whole bunch of parts, move them around and not have to worry about them getting dented or scratched. Um, I'm not using it like a router mat. So it's not about the fact that it's not slipping. It does actually, the pieces can slip and move. It's just a nice cushiony surface that allows me to sand and not further dent a surface that's already been sanded, <laughs> right? So, and that's the thing, you, you're very limited with it though, because you can't use your bench dogs while that's there. You can't use your hold fasts, you know? So it is something that is gonna be very limited use, but I, I personally like having it. I don't know that I would have paid for that necessarily, but having used it for years now, if this one gets torn up and gets all, you know, mangled, I probably would pay this gamer Matt's guy to to do another one because <laughs> it, I find it really useful now. I'm the same way. I like it a lot. Like when you take that project past, like, all right, we're done with all like the joinery and the the throwing the pieces around. All my pieces are getting to like the finished prep, and like if I dent them now, it's not really that great. If I scratch <laughs> them, they're ready to go for finish. So I use it then, and then like assembly or. You know, that kind of yeah. stuff. If I'm like screwing the top onto like a table or something and I have the table top flipped upside down on the bench, the bench mat's going to be there to offer some level of protection between yeah. my workpiece and my workbench. Right. Which could have, you know, a little bit of glue that I didn't know was there, but I pushed down hard enough on the tabletop that is finished and I got a dent in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Silly things like that. Just sanding, let's say, a table leg, you know, you get through two sides and then eventually you flip yes. it again and now now a sanded side is facing <laughs> down and it's what's going to happen as that sanders vibrating and putting pressure down you're going to wind up with dents so anyway benchmat or uh, gamermats.com again no no affiliation whatsoever contact them they make them in any size any shape whatever you need so i can't see why this person would turn down a workbench business like that yeah, and you okay. can host poker night in your workshop too that's true but this pretty is sweet. cooler game, cooler sweet designs uh, on these things. Yeah, cooler games than poker over here seem to be okay. happening. Sorry, I might get some of these. Ticket to ride. Cool. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah, that's a good game. <laughs> okay, so let's get to our main topic today. Dovetails. Ooh woo woo. A woo woo. A woo woo. A woo woo. So, uh, who wants to take on the description of a dovetail, and then possibly speculate on why it's either so useful? or so popular, like why it's something that woodworkers aspire to. Who wants it? Who wants it? Uh, not it. Okay, Shannon. <laughs> okay. Tell us about the dovetail. <laughs> okay, then. Not it. Interesting. <laughs> oh, it says, here's what it says. Sh Shannon ran into an error initializing the session for recording. Oh, <laughs> doesn't it figure actually i think i think he just didn't want to answer the question and this is just what we have to deal with here you are back hello shannon you just disappeared <laughs> all right so shannon you want to want to tell us uh you know why why dovetails what they are and why uh i suppose i can do that um yeah dovetails they are an interlocking joint and i think that's why they're popular because they have that wedge mechanical advantage so you can't pull it apart in one direction and that's great for a corner joint specifically. You know, I mean, tenons are super, super strong, but put a mortise too close to the end of the board and you get short grain and it runs out. You can put a dovetail right on the end of a board. In fact, it's the only place you can put a dovetail, the through dovetail anyway, and it holds super, super strong. So great, great idea for cases, boxes, mm -hmm. you know, because you get that nice 90 degree corner cut properly the dovetail is self-squaring 
Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> when you clamp a dovetail, it just comes together perfectly square every single time, right? But it should ideally yeah. come together nice and square. As far as why that got to be so popular, this one, I, I don't know. Because as I've looked historically, it was just kind of like everybody knew how to cut dovetails and dovetails were, you know, it was just something you did. Much of like the 18th century was spent trying to hide the dovetails that they cut. And it wasn't right. until like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the arts and crafts guys of Ruskin and Morse and Stickley came around that people actually started showing off their joinery. Up until then, it was hide the joinery, stick it behind a molding, cut a half blind so you can't see it. Nobody wanted to see I the I got joinery. time for that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, you know, I imagine you rip some moldings off some masterpieces and you will be severely disappointed at the quality of the dovetails hiding underneath. But that's the beauty of the dovetail joint, right? You can cut a crappy dovetail joint that still holds incredibly well for several hundred years. So that's why it's such a great joint. Why we have put it on a pedestal and made it into this, like there can be no light shining through with a 5,000 watt illumination <laughs> behind it. You know, I blame guys like Rob Cosman and Frank Klaus who are able to cut joints like this. Um, and, and well, I mean, no, I mean, you shouldn't say that because exposed joinery became a thing, Right. And yeah. now that that is an even bigger thing, I think, as more and more woodworkers, the hobbyists come into the come into their own, they want to show off what they're able to do. So they're showing off their exposed joinery all the time and it's got to be absolutely perfect. But when that started, I can't imagine, you know, because I, I can imagine there was a bit of a bit of a, a, a throwdown, if you will, between the old the old woodworkers and the new woodworkers and stupid whippersnappers trying to make such perfect dovetail joints. You're making us look bad. <laughs> Hi, hide your joinery. What are you doing? Your joinery's hanging out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's, there's definitely like, there's, sorry, there's a, a degree of showmanship, certainly with something like this. I know when, you know, I started to wrap my head around things like the mortise and tenon, your basic case joints, when you look at a dovetail as a new woodworker, you go, okay, well, that's a little different. There's angles, you know, there's different angles. This is not a square, simple joint. And there's lots of them. In a lot of cases, you have multiples. So it's not just getting one of these things to fit right. It's getting 10 of them yeah. to fit right. You know, and I think that, and to be able to pull that off uh, flawlessly, there's definitely a degree of showmanship, even if it, it's not totally a functional thing. Um, people want to show off that they can cut some pretty sweet joints. Which brings up the whole thing about like learning your dovetails. There's all these like dovetail a day ideas. And it's like you cut the little two tail joint and you cut that once every single day. And that just ticks me off because cutting and fitting a two tail dovetail joint is not the yeah. same as a 10 tail dovetail joint. It's an order right, of magnitude more like difficult to get all 10 of yeah. those to fit well than that little two dovetail thing. You just cut one little pin out of the middle and yeah. It's not the same. There, there have been a few, a few times I, I did a jewelry box project and I was like, I could do two here or because it's just a jewelry box, you know, it's like a little drawer. I could do one. And I'm thinking Ooh. how much easier it would be to just do one of these things. Like even two makes it, you know, that much more difficult, but you're right. You got a series of these things. It's a, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, so let's go, let's, uh, let's take each other back, back to the early days of our woodworking and, uh, tell it. Tell us the story, Matt, of, of your first dovetail experience. I, I'm sure it was like so many people's dovetail experience. I tried it uh, and then I didn't do it for years. 
again after that. <laughs> so by, uh, by hand was the first effort? Yeah, because I couldn't afford a dovetail jig. I had that the first time I had seen dovetails was through some kind of dovetail jig that like I don't think you even see anymore. Where it's like it's just a metal plate with the guide fingers and you like screw a block of wood to it and that's the dovetail uh, jig. Yeah. Keller? Keller? Keller jig? Pretty sure that, that was, was the Keller jig. That's still around and that's that's old school. Okay, well that's what I saw. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But it was like X amount of dollars. I'm like, yeah, I don't really have money for that. So yeah. I, I saw some video somewhere. It was not very good of like how to cut a dovetail drum by hand. Like, oh, you have like, he's got like a, a flush trim saw, you know, the two sided flush trim saws are like eight bucks mm-hmm. and a coping saw and like a chisel. I'm like, oh, I could do that. So of course I went down to the, uh, the home center. I picked up like a one by six or eight or something. I'm like, oh, I can dovetail this cupped board together to this other cupped board. No problem. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> At least when you realize pre- cup pre- boards is not easy. <laughs> yeah, preparation really, really oh. makes a difference. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it looked like, I mean, it went together, and I'm sure it was plenty strong, but, I mean, it was like beaver-chewed garbage-looking yeah. thing. That's awesome. And then, I think maybe a couple of years later, then I tried again on oak, and I'm like, oh, this is a lot easier. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, not crap pine that is like extremely hard to cut with a not sharp chisel. I didn't even have stones back then, sharp chisels to yeah. sharpen my chisels. So well, we'll get into some tips later, but I think that's a perfect tip is a lot of people want to practice in inexpensive wood. So what do they grab? You know, a two by four, dug fir, pine, uh, poplar even. And, and I found the same thing while these softer woods, you might be able to, you know, more forgiving in terms of fitting the final joint, trying to chisel them and get a nice crisp edge. It's like, you're way better off with just red Oak, you know, something that's got a little bit of a density yes. to it. Something that doesn't crush the fibers don't crush under the uh, pressure of a sharp chisel. Um, I would have a real hard time trying to learn in a material. That's not the same material I'm going to actually use in the project. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Shannon, what about your first time? I'm curious, was your first time power tool well, focused? And, and this is, this is, takes you back quite a ways. Um, it was power tool yeah. focused. And yeah. It, this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How excited Mark is. I was going yeah. to say it was so long ago. It really wasn't that long ago, but it just shows you how much has changed in like the last 12, 13 years, maybe. Sure. What year is it? Gosh, two zero two zero. It's like fourteen years. So uh-huh. fourteen years ago, I didn't know that you could cut a dovetail by hand. Like, what is this hand tool thing? Like, oh man, that's that's that. Oh, right, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like that is really cool. All I had to watch on TV was Norm, and then later David Marks. And you remember David Marks had a Lee dovetail jig. Um, yep. Yep. I didn't get the Woodwright shop. Still, I don't get the Woodwright shop. Well, I don't have cable anymore. But even when I did, my PBS station has not carried the Woodwright shop like as long as I've been in Maryland. So um, I my experience of the Woodwright shop, interestingly enough, has been online entirely because I've never been able to watch it on TV. But even then, it's not like Roy cut dovetails in every single episode. So I, I just this is what you did. And everything I did at the time was power tools, but there was nobody talking about hand tool work. Nobody was talking about this a decade ago. That's what's so crazy. So mm-hmm. I had wanted to cut dovetails, but I was kind of like, Matt, I was like, man, these dovetail jigs are expensive. So 
I kind of like saved and saved and saved so that I could cut a dovetail. It never even occurred to me that you could cut a dovetail <laughs> without a dovetail jig. Like how could you possibly wrap your head around it? And, and not even just a hand or power. Like how would you cut a dovetail joint with a router without a dovetail jig? Like how could you possibly get those joints to line up? Like boggles mm-hmm. the mind. And it just, it just goes to show you like when you're taught by like watching Norm or, or anybody on TV or even the books at the time were all power tool focused. They all use these jigs. So you, you, I, I'm constantly reminding myself of this when I'm trying to teach new people, like they see me using this saw and they think they have to have that saw, that exact saw to do it. And, you know, I, I laugh about it, but I look back on it. I was the same way. It's like, I can't got a dovetail joint until I have a dovetail jig. So I saved up and I actually bought a Rockler dovetail jig. Um, interestingly yeah. enough. And, uh, I know them. Well, I- except that the rest of the story, Rockler won't like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was not easy to use. It was not easy oh, to set man. up. It was not intuitive to do like the transfer over to, to pins. Now I don't even remember. Like, did you cut pins or tails first? I guess it didn't really matter. Did it? You just had to flip yeah, the, uh, the template around in order to do it. And it was not intuitive. And I botched, I think three or four joints before I actually got one that came together. And then the one that came together was so tight that I split the board as I was hammering it together. Yeah. (laughs) So I finally, you know, it took some time to dial it in and you had to figure out, you know, you tighten it down and then kind of whack it with the mallet just to give it like that little smidge of space. And then I, once I got it set up, like I didn't touch it for like a month and I just cut the same <laughs> damn joint over and over and over again. I made boxes. Yeah. This is when I was doing craft show type stuff. So I was making boxes with through dovetail corners. And in hindsight, I still have one of them on a bookshelf in my house. It is the clunkiest looking thing I've ever seen. Like it was, it was a small box made out of three quarter inch thick material. So the dovetails are three quarter, you know, ish, uh, uh, depth on them. And the box itself was like eight inches long. So it was like all dovetail, just little box, lots of dovetails. But I was so afraid to like mess with the settings on this. And it wasn't adjustable. It wasn't like the Lee where you could slide the, the, the guides, the bushings up and down and change your spacing. That was really expensive. Those were like $600, I think maybe more than that. The one that David Marks used on his show was like the creme de la creme of dovetail jigs. And that's the one that I wanted because David Marks was, well, David Marks, you know, if I had that, I could cut it. I could cut dovetails like that too. Oh mm-hmm. boy, that was bad. Um, and <laughs> that's probably one of the reasons I got into hand tools. <laughs> that dovetail jig <laughs> is what started me down the path. Cause when I learned, way to go Rockler, when I learned that you could do it. And interestingly enough, Kaleo Kala was my first exposure to hand cut dovetails. Kaleo, if you're oh, really? out there, buddy, like 2008 ish. I was like, here's this guy who's down in Tasmania taking a class, you know? And I remember I had like a list of all the things I needed to buy in order to cut hand cut dovetails. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So (laughs) oddly enough, our origins and dovetails are pretty much the same. Uh, My first experience with them was making uh, like a mission style uh, what do you call it? Coffee table. So big drawers. I wanted to dovetail them. I got myself the Rockler jig. I think probably after that project, I had told several people in a forum, cause that's what we did back then <laughs> that I was probably going to run it over with my truck when I was done. 
I, I, I can't even remember the details about that jig. And I will say they don't have that jig. I was going to say fact, it hasn't been on the market in like eight years. Yeah. They, they have a much, much improved, uh, and I wouldn't even call it a version is probably completely reimagined and redesigned. Uh, so they do have something different than that now, but I had the same issue, man. I could not get dependable results. It was, it wasn't repeatable the way that I thought it should be. And I had so many problems with it. I mean, I often wonder too, if I used it today, with a little bit more knowledge about the topic, would I be able to make it work better? Or was that part of my noobness at the time? I don't yeah, know, but it was, point. I don't you know, know. I, I had a hard time. Way. I think you'd be so like frustrated because you knew <laughs> yeah. that it could be easier. Like, you yeah. know that this is easier. I, you see a uh, dovetail jig hanging out of the drywall. Cause I, I just threw it. I just remember um, I sold mine on eBay and I actually <laughs> felt bad. It was like, yeah. I felt like I was <laughs> scamming somebody by selling it on eBay. <laughs> Sorry. Enjoy. Yeah, it was, it was rough. Uh, well, so after that point, um, I, I think it was at a, at a friend's house. They had a video with Rob Cosman and it was probably one of his earliest videos that he did with Lee Nielsen. And, uh, I watched this, this, uh, like, I think it was a DVD. Yeah. DVD was out. VHS. <laughs> could, could have been VHS. Now it's definitely a DVD. And, uh, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like this, this is really cool. And not that I really felt any particular need for the work, you know, work reasons to do it. It was just intriguing to me that someone has this much um, hand-eye coordination and skill lining up a saw, guiding the saw. The process was amazing, but there was no way I was able to do this and reproduce it just with that video. Uh, so I wound up taking a class and it happened to be at a time when I was in uh, Northern California, actually right near David Mark's house. Oddly <laughs> enough, the, the woodcraft that's his local woodcraft had the guy, I can't remember his name because he does the, the, uh, Glenn Drake tool works. So it's either something Glenn or something Drake. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Tom or something? Uh, Gene, uh, Gary, his name's Gary. <laughs> Pete, Peter, his name's Peter. All right. Well, one of the guys from Glenn Drake tools, was teaching the uh, hand cut tool or hand cut dovetail. So I was like, I'm going to take this class. It was cheap. You know, woodcraft classes are not that expensive. Uh, I was like, let me try this out. It was great. It was great. And all I did was cut what would be one corner of a drawer. And it was a simple couple, couple hour class. And there were so many fundamental points that have stuck with me that I now teach to other people. The concept of having your saw always in the waist, like no matter whether you're cutting pins or tails or where the pencil line is, uh, you always put the tool in the waste and that's how you don't overcut your stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, little things like that. But it was an in-person class that truly made the difference for me. Uh, and then from that point on, it's kind of just been back and forth. Sometimes I'll, I haven't used the jig in forever. And I do have the the Lee dovetail jig, best, best dovetail jig on the market. Um, I don't actually use it anymore. Uh, I find most times if I'm going to do dovetails, I'll probably do some kind of hybrid method using the bandsaw to make some of the cuts and then finishing at the workbench, or I'll just go hand cut from beginning to end. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later as to why you might want to do one over the other. Uh, but, you know, for me, just where I've evolved to a little bit of a hybrid, mostly hybrid, sometimes purely hand. So Shannon, I know you obviously have gone completely into hand cut. Um, but Matt, is there, is there a reason why you always seem to go to hand cut? I don't think I've ever seen you use a dovetail jig. Well, I, I have one. And, <laughs> I, I, own uh, one. I, I bought it in 2011. 
I think I used it on like two projects. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just sits there under my bench now. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy it. I'm like, this is like I spent most of the time like second guessing myself to make sure like I don't put a board in backwards or upside down or something like that. It obscures so like, much of the work. That always freaked me out. Like I can't yeah. see what yeah. I'm doing at all. Gotta have some it blind like, Okay, run the router through, feel your way through that, right along the fingers. Hopefully you don't miss anything and go in the wrong hole or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I never really enjoyed it. And then I got like I got this idea to try hand cut dovetails again. At that point it had been like I think three or four years since I my previous uh attempt thing. Mm-hmm. And like this is actually a little more pleasant. Like I actually enjoy it. Like I don't feel like I'm gonna screw up as easily because it's like so. It's more visual. I can like see like literally here is that board. I know what the outside is because the side I'm looking at. And yeah. I don't know. It just felt like I just I actually enjoyed it. And because so much of my like pleasure with woodworking is derived from just doing something I actually enjoy. I'm like sure. On one hand, if I have to do something, I'm like. Do I want to do the thing that frustrates me the whole time? Or do I want to do the thing that I know will work and I actually enjoy? I think it also helps that all three of us kind of focus on one-offs. You know, we're not oh, doing yeah. Yeah. kitchens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the reason I still have that jig. Just someday, you know? Yeah, there I want might to make 50 be, drawers. Exactly. There might be a reason. reason why you would want to do that. <laughs> Uh, you know, the funny thing is you're talking about like setup time on these jigs. The lead jig, as amazing as it is, you know what step one is? Read the manual. Read the manual. You know what step two is? Go back is? and read it again. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Read it again. Step three, step four, step five. I can't. Exactly. That's exactly the experience though. Cause you're like, yeah. no matter. I like I used it last week. Oh, okay. Let me read this again. I don't know. I gotta <laughs> make sure I know what I'm doing again. Let's I would, say, I would have to use that on every single project for probably a year before I would be <laughs> able to set it up without consulting the manual. It's, it's, it's not that it's not well made. It's just in order to get that level of accuracy and repeatability and get it set up for whatever board width you're working with there, it's a process and it is a complicated jig. So, I mean, they're, they're great, but they can be very complicated. Agreed. All yeah. right. And again, it's like, what do you want to spend your time on setting it up or like just getting the work? Yeah. Just get it done. Uh, okay. So let's, let's kind of, I guess this is more of a terminology thing. Um, but let's cover some of the common dovetail things you'll hear about types of dovetails, what you might use them for. Who, who wants to jump into this? Oh, well, I jumped in on the other one, so it's Matt's turn. Matt! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I jumped in, everything like crapped out, so. Yeah, you killed the recording. Oh, okay. Matt's gone. <laughs> nice, nice try. I still see you. Uh, so let's, say, let's think about a few of them here. We got like the, the traditional like classic through dovetail where it's like the pieces pass all the way through each other and you can see the joint on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want fully exposed joinery or you're planning on covering the whole joint with molding or some other piece of work, you don't really care about how it's going to look, you know, through dovetail is a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the half blind, it's not a good one. You only see the joint from one side. It's usually seen on like, you know, drawers and things where you don't want uh, the joinery showing through the front of the drawer front, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a little more forgiving, actually, because you can like screw up a lot of the inside or like intentionally screw things up on the inside and still have it look absolutely perfectly. Yeah. So as a bit of an aside, I think a lot of people start with a through dovetail as like a getting into it kind of joint. The half blind is probably the way you should start because you can, like, you can guarantee so much more success with the half blind and you won't get discouraged as easily. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot Don't more lose. chopping and that's where I find a lot of people screw up. Chopping. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But I mean, you're right. They, they can put it this way. There's, there's, um, 
it's a little bit, it takes longer to cut because you can't saw quite as much. So there's more mm-hmm. material you've got to chop out. And I think that when you're a new dovetailer, you, you get impatient a lot more. <laughs> so you can end <laughs> up with some big gaps because you got a little, you rushed a little. So I don't know the, the I can see that the through yeah. dovetail, especially if you're using like a fret saw to cut out your waist, the through dovetail goes together so much faster. Also, I think when you're learning, obviously some people get discouraged if they see a bad result through dovetails are going to show you everything. And this is to your point, Matt, you, oh, you, you see the problems, brutal. but you're trying, if you're trying to learn, <laughs> you probably want to see the problems, right? So that might be, that might help facilitate that. Well, I guess go into with more realistic expectations then. Yeah. Well, listen to what we just said and go into your first one with realistic expectations mm-hmm. if you're cutting a through dovetail it's probably not gonna look good but you can learn from it and don't sure. get discouraged just don't show anybody when you're done <laughs> don't post on the internet <laughs> wait till the fifth one and then post that on the internet as your first this is my first that's what everybody does <laughs> <laughs> it's my first one that didn't split when i put it together right oh my gosh <laughs> oh so uh with that you got the the, with the a blind dovetail so that's like where you can't even see it from the outside mm-hmm it's actually almost like easy in the sense that a half blind is because you can, again, you can screw up a lot on the inside because it's never going to be seen. Yeah. But in your mind, you're thinking like, this is, this is crazy. Cause like you can't see the tails mm. and the pins going together in there. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't matter how good it looks cause you can't see the inside. The only thing that matters is the outside. That's right. So you got the, what else we got? We got sliding dovetails. Like, uh, not really, a dovetail in the sense <laughs> you're talking about it, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a way, cause it's like, Oh, it's like a fancy dado. Yeah. It's like a dado with like a mushroom bottom. It's like a single long, really thick dovetail. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 I guess a, you, you see those with a uh, up nightmare is what it is. <laughs> yes, it is. We got what well, we got the dividers for casework. This is where you usually see that. Or if you want to do like a French drawer, is that what that's called? The French drawer, right? Or French dovetail drawer? Where you have um, sliding dovetails for the instead of regular dovetails? Yeah, sure. Okay. That's, I don't I don't I feel like I heard that somewhere. I think French dovetail is another name for sliding dovetail. If I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I'm gonna look it up right now. Alright, whatever. I did not know that. Instead of dovetailing, you know, your drawer side into your drawer front, you can make a sliding dovetail and have your drawer side slide into your drawer front. And that's a, right. another way to make a drawer. Well, I mean, I think the key use there is a wood movement issue. You know, you can use a sliding dovetail and go cross grain and just fit it dry or maybe glue like the first inch or two inches of the, the tail, but leave the rest of the joint dry and it will allow that's expansion and contraction. It makes a good mm-hmm. kind of batten for holding a board flat as well. Sure. All right. So let's give some advice. New dovetailers. You kind of alluded to some of that already, Matt. Um, if you could come up with uh, one, one good piece of solid advice for someone who's just starting, what would it be? Uh, if you don't mind, I'll go first before I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> it's getting really hot in this room and I need to turn a fan on. But anyway, uh, I would say learn what matters and what doesn't. And I think that was one of the key eye openers when it came to dovetails. Uh, and this goes across the entire process. There's certain times where, you know, like the, let's say the, the base of the dovetails, the shoulder, um, as you're trying to get that nice and clean, that does not need to be flat, right? Oftentimes we scoop it a little bit because all that really matters is the outside edges in terms of what you can see. 
So if you're going to err on the side of caution, scoop it out a little bit so there's no material interfering with the fit. Uh, so there's like little tricks like that throughout the process. If you understand what matters and what doesn't, it just makes things easier. Um, another good example, I'm going to refer people to the Guild video. It's actually free. Uh, we did the uh, dovetailed benches and we did two different methods. And if you watch the way Matt does his layout and compare it to my anal retentive way, <laughs> you're going to realize the way Matt does it, he's like, I'm going to lay these out and it doesn't really matter. They don't have to be perfect because everything I do in this board will be transferred to the next board. It's the next board that really matters, right? That first layout, whether I cut crooked or I draw it where the pins aren't exactly the same width, that's okay. None of that matters. What really matters is the second round of cleanup to make sure it fits the first thing. You know, so I think keeping, you know, watch different people do these methods, but try to figure out what matters and what doesn't so you know what to stress about and what you can kind of just say, okay, let's clear some stock out of the way because I just don't want it to interfere with the fit. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank nice. you. Well, and, and if I may dovetail into that point, the, oh. uh -huh. I would, <laughs> I don't know if this is, this used to be one of those like age old debates. I don't know if it is so much anymore, but I would go further and say cut tails first. Because, because oh, you just lost half our listeners. Ah, well, they can bite me. <laughs> um, because the fact that that first board doesn't matter, and I think people get freaked out by the angles. They get freaked out by the angles of the tails and getting the angles all to be the same. And that doesn't matter unless you've already cut the pin board. In which case, right. well, and the angles don't matter. The angles can be different, but you do have to match the angle that you have created on the pin board now. And if you cut your tails first, you can purposely cut every angle entirely different and it doesn't matter. Um, now, when you set up for the pin board, you still have to cut that angle, but you're cutting that angle. You're looking down on that angle and you can kind of square yourself off to that angle. It's an easier aspect instead of having to cut the angle on the face of the board where you can't see it quite as well. And in order to do that, you have to actually tilt the back of the saw to the left or the right which throws the balance of the saw off and it can be very difficult to, to get that right. So I always say cut tails first because you can screw up that first cut real, real easily. All you have to do focus on is keeping the cut square across the thickness of the board. And mm -hmm. essentially that's the same thing you're doing when you're cutting the pin, you're focusing on hitting that line across the thickness of the board and not what's going on in the face. It's a lot easier. Cool. If I could uh, Morrison tan it into that. Ooh. <laughs> 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 you, could, you, could, you could French dovetail into it, I suppose. Slide it on I'm gonna, in. I'm gonna, Go ahead. I'm gonna French it onto Okay, anyway, before this gets out of hand, uh, I'm going to say... Before? I think it's a little too late. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going off kind of a little bit of what Mark said, is lower your expectations a little bit. If you're your first time going into it, it's not going to look like the most amazing thing ever. If it does, something's wrong with you and you should probably like be doing something else in your life. Mm -hmm. You should um, open a uh, Instagram account. You should, should definitely do. do that and post as many pictures of your perfect dovetail as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other, the other thing I actually add is like possibly learn how to sharpen before getting into this because that could even add more frustration if you're trying to chop out the stuff, trying to saw the stuff and your stuff and your tools are not sharp. It's yeah. not going to be fun, like at all, and you're going to get discouraged even more so because it's just going to look like someone like hit it with like a dull axe and try to chop it up and put it together. Mm -hmm. It's 
not going to look good. It's not going to be fun. And if it's not fun, why are you doing it? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? It's a good point. Yeah. What are your opinions on some of the helper gadgets that are out there? So there are things that will magnetically hold your saw blade at the right angle. And all you have to do is kind of push and pull. What do you think about that? Is that kind of training wheel sort of thing helpful? Is it, you know, especially if it's just a temporary thing that gets them to a freehand uh, uh, sort of deal? Is it temporary though for a lot of people? Is it, that's, that's a good question. Is it temporary? I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. Do what you want. That's, that's my opinion of it. If it makes you, it makes you feel good, it gets you in the dovetailing, gets you like figure out how to like move a saw back and forth. Mm-hmm. That sounds fantastic. But I mean, if what's your goal? Is your goal to become an amazing sawyer? Or is your goal to just cut some dovetails and like make some looks good? Well, and if you think about what we talked about before, what matters and what doesn't, getting that first cut to be absolutely perfect is completely unnecessary. Except if you use a jig on both of them, because then the angle is going to match perfectly. Then it on should both match. Cuts. Yeah. So, right? okay. I'm going to shut up then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Matt, it's a good, you'd good have point. to use them it, it all depends yeah. on what, you know, what's your motivation? <laughs> you just want to get yeah. the dovetail joint and have it look good. Or do you want to learn how to saw? Um, I did a, a review on this a while ago um, and have, you know, been told that I'm a blasphemer and, and a horrible, horrible person <laughs> my, on YouTube for the last seven years since I had said this, but I do view them as training wheels. Um, but it goes to Matt's point. If you want to be learn to become a good Sawyer, it's training wheels. If you just want to cut some dovetails that look good, go for it, man. It doesn't, doesn't yeah. really matter. I do think that it, it can, make you more comfortable holding and using a saw and in that way can help you train to eventually work without it. But the goal of those magnetic jigs is not to train you to work without it. It's you will use this from now on Um, (laughs) to make you dependent on it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I just, I, you know, that that's never been my goal. I've been motivated by wanting to improve my craft and improve my skills. So I just, was immediately kind of repelled by the whole idea. Um, Cut decent joints with it. You know, it works. There's no doubt they work, but I actually found from someone that can already dovetail with that one, it was really frustrating. It it was like, ah, this thing's in my way and it's like restricting my body movements and yeah, I don't like it. Get out of the way. So it was an unfair review when I did it because it was, you know, a major change and we kind of get used to doing things a certain way. And then you tell somebody to do something totally different. And of course it's going to feel weird and funky, but yeah, yeah, I've never been a fan of, of whether it's dovetail jigs or, you know, tenon jigs. Cause they make them for tenons as well. Sure. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Hmm. that All makes right. sense. Well, do you guys know um, who dovetails nicely into this conversation? Uh, Every week I try to think of something witty, but uh, uh, guys, guys, woodshop. Yeah. How about guys woodshop, right? <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. Poor guy. Guy got his account hacked and uh, that kind of sucks. So if you are, if you follow guys woodshop on Instagram, go to guys woodshop too, because that's his new account. The dude had over a hundred thousand uh, followers. Really? Yeah. He had over a hundred thousand. I didn't, I'm, I'm sorry, guy. I didn't realize it was had grown to that size. That's crazy. And, and that, he basically that's a lot to go away overnight. Yeah. He hit the reset button by losing his account. The person, whoever hacked his account, deleted it and there's oh. no recourse. Apparently I still think in a couple weeks, it's just going to appear and Instagram is not going to be like, <laughs> here you go, Mr. Dunlap. Here's your thing you were looking for. It's just going to show up. 
and he's going to go back in and be able to get his stuff. That's my personal theory. But in the meantime, if you want to follow him, go follow him on his, his new account, uh, which is, uh, what is it? Um, guys, guys, Woodshop is the full name. I think guys, Woodshop two, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, sure. it's a shame. I hate to see something like that happen. Someone works hard to amass an audience and, uh, loses them just like that. But everyone turn on two factor authentication. If it's there, use it. It's like, it's the, the least you can do outside of having like a decently complex password. Here's the other thing. I hate to get off topic, but it's going around. It's going around in the woodworking circles. I know of at least three people, including me and Matt, who got a private message on Instagram. One of those things going yeah. like, hey, man, I got a, I made this cool video. There's a, I, there's a couple of pictures of yours that I used in there. It's like the first few. And they give you a link. You click that link and it takes you to an Instagram login page where they want you to put your password in Instagram air quotes. Yes. If it looks you, like Instagram login, it's page. totally a, like a phishing scam. So if you put your password in there, guess who now has your password? That person. Rock- who knows? Rockler does. Oh, wait. Rockler. Rockler. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of cutting dovetails. So <laughs> we're so good with segues. I'll tell you. Uh, so anyway, word to the wise. If you're on Instagram, that thing is going around it never put your password in to an app you're already logged into. That doesn't make any sense. And turn on two-factor authentication because even if you were silly enough to give them your password, they wouldn't be able to get in because they don't have the phone. You know, they, they get those save your backup codes too. I, actually, as um, oh yeah, this happened with guys thing. I was I went in there to look. I'm like, do I have two-factor enabled? Let me yep. just check. And I checked. I'm like, oh, what's this? There's like these backup codes in case you get completely locked out. Yep. So you can save them. If you get completely locked out, you can just type those codes in, those numbers or whatever, and you can get back into your account, presumably. Yeah. So go in there, save those numbers somewhere, and uh, don't click on stupid stuff. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> yeah. It's not even the clicking that's the problem. It's going, what's your password? You go, here it is. <laughs> you, know, like, you don't make it hard for them when you do that. It makes people feel even worse about doing it. <sighs> I know. I want to. Um, so look, 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 guys, cutting dovetails is intimidating and time consuming. Sometimes a good quality jig is just what the doctor ordered. You can cut beautiful through and half blind dovetails quickly and easily with Rockler's dovetail jig. It's not the old crappy one. This is a good one. <laughs> How funny would that be? <laughs> it's the same one. <laughs> it's just a different color blue now. Oh, uh, Lord. <laughs> Look, if 2021 rolls around and you guys find out that we don't have Rockler as a sponsor anymore, you know why. Yeah. It comes back to this moment. The, the dovetail <laughs> jig fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, I looked at it and I can assure you it's very different than the original jig. Oh, God. Okay, where was I? <laughs> so, Rockler's exclusive one-piece stop. I got to check this thing out. There's a one-piece stop that gives you the perfect offset every time for dead-on dovetailing accuracy. They also offer a dust collector attachment, which eliminates virtually all of the dust created when cutting dovetails. I can't overestimate how cool that is, because when you cut dovetails, if you've used the jig, one oh, thing you're going to quickly find out, so much. it's dust everywhere. Even if you have like, um, I don't know, let's say like a Festool uh, router that has decent dust collection, but that dust collection is above the bit. The, yeah. the dovetail bit now is below a guide and there's no way you can get effective dust collection from above. So if you've got really good integral dust collection built into the jig, that's huge. And it stops you from having to stop and clear all the chips and all that stuff. 
Uh, so this one has that. That's uh, that's pretty cool. That's a killer keeps feature. Those, keeps those chips out of the fingers. You could throw off the accuracy of your uh, guide bushing too. Yep, that's true. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. Oh, this one's slightly too small. Let me just hit it harder. Yeah, crack. Exactly. You got enough things. You know, like the guide bushing not being centered. You know, that, oh, yeah, that's that's, that's right. always always a fun thing oh, to find out. It's been but, so long since I've used. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole keep, thing. Keep reading your ad. <laughs> <laughs> but look, look. Here's how you know that this jig is really good. There's reviews from happy owners like Red S who says works as advertised and Ken and Ken and Ken H who says, listen to what Ken had to say. He says Rockler's dovetail jig, right? So, you know, they're not messing around. Wow. These are, these are fantastic, fantastic reviews. All right. So we're going to put a link in, in the show notes to this jig. I, I honestly I, think I, I promise Rockler is a real sponsor. <laughs> it's not just a joke sponsor. They're a real sponsor. Seriously though, go take a look at this thing. And w- the one thing that can happen, we talked about this with, with Lee jigs complexity means you may not use it all the time because you, if you have to constantly refer to that manual, it's a pain in the butt. I'm looking at this jig. Honestly, I have not ever had hands on, but it is not an intimidating looking jig to me. It's uh, fairly simplistic. It looks like it has fixed fingers. The mobile fingers is one thing that really can screw up your setup. And that's what the, the Lee has, which is, mm-hmm. a, you know, can be a benefit, but it also is a level of complexity that makes the whole thing much more complicated. So this is a fixed, um, you know, finger width on this thing. And it just looks like a fairly simple dovetail jig that's easy to use. This is definitely like a no nonsense. Yeah. Make a dovetail joint jig. I think it's good. So honestly, if you have a Rockler store nearby, go to the store. Guarantee they got you uh, one of these there that they can demo for you. Um, They probably have demos on the weekends on these dovetails. Go check it out. It's worth looking at. Um, In spite of all of our jokes, it does look like a a good quality (laughs) tool. So thank you so much, Rockler, for sponsoring the show. indeed work as advertised. Yes, there there are just times where I wonder, like, why is this worth it for them to continue to pay us to to do these things? But uh, I I enjoy it. I enjoy this process. All right, so let's let's get back to our uh, emails here. We actually have two emails regarding dovetails uh, that we can read and uh, just kind of see if we can answer their questions. So first one here is from Brody Bricky. He says, "At what point does the design call for dovetails versus some other joinery?" when it's a chest of drawers or something else that you can do faster because it's fine woodworking. It's an heirloom piece. That's the only thing we know. And, or that's the only <laughs> thing we know how to do. So Brody's kind of asking like, when is the proper time to use it? And I think the problem is we talked about it being sort of a, a way that people show off. It's a little bit of showmanship. There is no, you don't have to have a perfect functional reason to do it. You just have two pieces that need to go together it might be seen at some point and you go, you know what? I'm going to do dovetails there because it's going to look good. So, I mean, you don't have to always have that functional reason, but I think Shannon, you covered functionality and the reasons why we would want to use this for mechanical strength uh, in the beginning. So, yeah, you know, whether go ahead, you want to say something about this? No, it's just, I, it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find a better joint to do on a corner. You know, there's other mm-hmm. ones you can do, but they end up being a lot more complicated, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next question we have is from Brandon. He says, I'm wondering if you can discuss if there are any completed joint technical differences between hand cut and router cut dovetails. They seem to be something which even heavy power tool users seem to prefer to make by hand. Wow. That's really, you really brought this up 
earlier, this really made me realize how much this has changed. You're right. There are a lot of people who are, you know, could be seen just generally as power tool users who will likely stop what they're doing and do a hand cut dovetail right. for whatever reason. They own one saw and it's a dovetail saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He says, also, would you mind discussing the strength differences between dovetail and box joints? And if you think the average non-woodworking person considers a dovetail to be better or more classy, or if you doubt that they would even notice. Yeah. I doubt they would okay. even notice. Yeah. In my personal yeah. research, they don't notice. Oh, that's that's uh, five different boards, or is it just one? Don't even notice. I think the people who notice are people who are related to a woodworker. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like my mom, ahead. my mom will open up a drawer and look for dovetails. And if they're there, she'd be like, oh, look at that. Show dovetails. me them dovetails. <laughs> give me them, give mama them dovetails. <laughs> right? But I, I, I don't know that the average. I'm just, av- uh, just picturing your mom like rolling some dice in her hand, pulling out of the drawer and just throwing them in <laughs> Come there. Come on, dovetails. Ah, oh, <laughs> snake eyes. All right. So. She's shooting dice. <laughs> ma'am, do you need help? Nope. <laughs> I'm fine. All right. This is fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think most people would necessarily know the difference. They might open a drawer and see a set of dovetails and say that's pleasant. Uh, but I don't think if they don't know how the joint works, then it may not be relevant. They may not understand at all what, what the point is. Um, so technical differences between hand cut and router cut. I don't think that there's really much in the way of strength differences. Right. So, so to me, hand cut, one of the reasons why people, other than simply enjoyment, uh, one of the reasons why, at least me, I can say that I gravitate to a hand cut or a hand cut like hybrid method is because I like to see those thin pins. And, and that's a trained eye, a woodworker. When you look at a set of dovetails, you could almost immediately pick out whether it was cut by a router or cut by hand. And one of the reasons is because routers tend to make a very regular repeating pattern. Um, you know, the, the angle of the dovetail is usually not all that beautiful. It's, it's just not that flattering. And the pin sizes, the pins are very, very thick. Why? Because a router bit only gets so small. You know, with a handsaw, you can make pins that are just razor thin at the thinnest point. You just can't do that with a router bit. So typically, I like to, to, to see that in the work. I think it looks classier. It looks more refined when you see it done by hand. And that for me personally, that's the reason that I would do that. Um, do you guys see any strength advantages at all that I'm not thinking of? I mean, you know, I between guess hand one could make a case for the thinner pen being weaker. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> how much weaker? <laughs> I mean, especially it, you know, say there are four, four pins in that joint. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a really strong joint because there are four pins. So yeah, those yeah. pins are really, really skinny, but there's four of them, you know, and there's a lot of glue joint. Uh, glue surface there. So maybe, but here again, the dovetail joint, the strength of the dovetail joint is not based upon that sole corner. Generally there's four of them, you know, or maybe three if you're making a flag box right. or something like that, you know, right. all those joints together make super, super strong combination. So I, I, if you were to put this in a lab and test it, yes, maybe that, that the router cut one, because it's got probably at least what a minimum quarter inch shank on that, on that router bit. So there's a quarter inch, uh, thick pin there. Um, right. I imagine that would be stronger, but do you care? <laughs> I mean, right. Right. Is, is Bigfoot running over this? And I mean the truck, not the Sasquatch. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, that one. Or, or the, Sasquatch, uh, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Just think about like how much force it would take to actually shoot that pin off. Like if you think about putting like doing like a drawboard, uh, Morrison tendon where you're pounding this like even like a quarter inch dowel through there. Yeah. You know, like and you can get that quarter inch dowel through that thing, like pounding the crap out of it and it does not shear off. Right. Yeah. You know, think about how much force it would take to shear the pin off of a dovetail joint. Right. Yeah. When because I, the whole when, pin is not that skinny, right? The the base of the the other part of the pin is quite fat. Yeah, it probably goes to like a quarter inch. Yeah. You know, yeah. The fat I mean, end. There's, there's still a significant amount of material there. When I was doing stuff for the essential joinery book, I, I happened to do thin pins. And one of the pictures I took, it actually is the cover of the book, is what would be like a drawer component, just a 90 degree joint. And I had a lot of people telling me, well, that's great, but those are incredibly weak. And I'm like, are they though? I mean, how weak is it? Is it weaker than a fatter pin? Maybe I'll give you that. But is this strong enough? I think so. And I have a picture of Maybe me. Maybe they were commenting right? on the quality of them. Those are weak. <laughs> yeah, that could be a weak too. sauce, man. <laughs> Those are some weak sauce dovetails, dude. Left it, left his scribe lines. Ugh. Right. So, to, but to prove a point, I took that ninety degree because I still had it. I took, <laughs> I took that ninety degree joint and I clamped it to the table saw and held it in place, and then I took a picture of me standing on it. And <laughs> now I wouldn't jump. I mean, I think if I jumped, it would have broken. But I was proving the point that this is not that week, you know, in terms of what it's supposed to do and its function, it's not just going to fall apart. And then again, add in the other side of the drawer, you know, and then the fact that you could have more pins than I had in this example, it's yeah. Is it a little bit weaker? Sure. Is it weak enough to be a problem? Absolutely not. Now, when you took Mark that picture, enough pins. were you, were you right. still in Arizona then or were you in Denver? When you no, this was here. This okay. is in Denver. See, well, that's okay because there's less gravity. Up, up oh, <laughs> that explains so it. Actually it. Is weaker. So yeah, yeah. oh man, you done it. It's I didn't actually. <laughs> I didn't weigh as much. Yeah, I that thought Mark sense. was looking pretty good. <laughs> People used to tell me that all the time. Oh, well, you're from Denver. Or you're up in the mountains. There's less gravity there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course there is. All right. Well, anyway, that's that. Uh, let's see. I guess we answer both parts of his question. Box joints, dovetails. Uh, oh yeah, that one. Uh, I don't think you would find much difference there. I mean, they don't have the mechanical interlock anymore, but talk about a lot of glue surface. That's a lot of joints. Box joints have more glue surface probably than dovetails because we tend to get fancy, you know, and you make like mm -hmm. one wide dovetail and then a couple skinny dovetails and one box joints are all uniform. They have to be in order, in order to work well. Well, I guess they don't have to be, but yeah, they usually are. To, to keep you sane. Yeah, I mean, this this is like the thin pin argument. I mean, even if it is a little bit weaker, is it to any point that makes any kind of a difference for the applications we're using it for? No, it's fine. I mean, if it takes hundreds of pounds of pressure to break it and I'm putting it in a drawer in my desk, what am I doing with my drawer? <laughs> you know, that I need to worry about it, right? It's like, so that's why I think a lot of times there's almost- Your mom's chucking some big dice. That's what it is. Mom, mama's gambling in my drawers. So- it really brings <laughs> you guys are awful. I didn't even mean it that way. You guys are terrible. So would you say, uh, Shannon, I know you, you've made this choice a few times. You almost go counter dovetail, right? Like just because it's like, I don't want to do it again. I've done it. I like, there's gotta be something else. <laughs> yeah. Just give me something else. Let me, let me anything but the dovetail. Um, so there's times where you might do like a reinforced rabbit 
or some kind of a finger joint or something, just something to not do the thing everyone expects you to do. Yeah, and the last time I did that, it was more work because I yeah. used I used steel <laughs> pens and I had to like yeah. I had to use a hacksaw and cut down. out all these little pens and then I had to epoxy them in place and then file them flush. And then yeah. the filings got into the grain of the wood and they stained it. And I had, oh, it was awful. It was terrible. Yeah. Should have just cut dovetails. Should have just done the dovetails. Oh, good stuff. Um, so I think that does it for us today. Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler in spite of our jokes. Rockler is a family-owned business since 1954. They are your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple, <laughs> you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WoodTalk, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over thirty-nine bucks. That's great, Mark. Thanks. <laughs> sure, Shannon. <laughs> and if you have questions for us, you can send them to woodtalkshow.com. Go there. And fill out the form. And that's all you got to do. Or you can use your voice memo app. You can record a voicemail and you can email it to us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Instagram. You can find us there as woodtalkshow. Or find us individually as Matt Cremona, Wood Whisperer, or Renaissance Woodworker. And this week, folks, we want to see your dovetail jigs. Send us a picture of your dovetail jig. Where is it? How much dust is on it? And <laughs> have you ever used it? <laughs> And you can tag it with hashtag WT or WoodTalk475. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it a lot. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Remember to spay and neuter your kittens. Mm-hmm. With dovetails. With dovetails. Ooh. With the dovetail jig. <laughs> with the router dovetail jig. <laughs> <Yes>. Ouch. <laughs>